hi everyone to Christ Community Church Online. We are so happy to have you join us for this weekend's service. I'm Greg. And I'm Yvonne. And we will be hosting today's service. As a part of our global ministry effort, Christ Community Church continues to sponsor 50 orphans at a place of rescue in Cambodia. You can participate personally in giving these kids a hope and a future founded in Jesus Christ. We now have a special message from Marie Enns in Cambodia for you. Check it out. My name is Marie Enns. I'm the advisor to the NGO Rescue Cambodia. Presently, we care for 428 children, 25 elderly destitute women, and 22 adults coping with AIDS. This is in six facilities, one of which is in the town of Mongpo Borai. We call it Place of Rescue 2. This beautiful place was built in 2008. We are so grateful to you, friends at Christ Community Church, for sponsoring 50 children from Place of Rescue 2. Whether the children are worshiping, playing in their rooms, out on the swings, or enjoying a game of volleyball, whether studying online or with a teacher, or learning computer, whether eating a delicious meal prepared by their house moms, working in the garden, raising delicious, nutritious vegetables, or enjoying a special treat provided by a visitor, or just hanging out with friends, of which they have many. These are a bunch of happy kids. Thank you, friends from CCC, from the bottom of our hearts for your part in bringing them so much joy and blessing. What a great work they are doing. And for those of you who are interested, next week we're gonna give you an opportunity to sponsor a child yourself on August 1st and 2nd after each service in the lobby. It's a great way for you to use your gifts to impact God's kingdom. We hope to see you there. That is so awesome. You know, Christ Community Church Online is just about to get started. So we invite you to take in today's service and all that God has for you during this time. So let's worship the Lord together. Hey, church, so as it says in Romans 8, that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of our God, not what we're going through, um, not our past, and definitely not our fears. So with that in mind, let's worship him together today. Joy I own and Brokenness and pain Is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love doesn't stand a chance when I stay under your love. Oh. Shame 
about running the race that's set before us and running it with perseverance and endurance. And I don't know about you, but sometimes, especially lately, it feels like that we're running an uphill race and there's just no relief. But later in that verse, it says, but fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And I think that is a great way to end that statement about running a race because I don't know about you, but I'm not a runner in the first place. And especially when we're going uphill and I'm just waiting for a plateau and just to even out and feel like some kind of normal. And it seems like for the past, I don't know, six months, there has been no normal, which is our new normal. So it feels completely uphill. Every day is different. But fix your eyes on Jesus. There is no one more faithful, no one who loves you more, who will come alongside you in that race and say, I have set this race before you. I know how you're going to run it. I know how you're going to finish it. But keep your eyes on me because I've got you. So as we continue on in our worship and the message from Daryl, have the full, utmost confidence that God is faithful. Great is thy faithfulness. 
Peace. 
God, we thank you so much that you are faithful. Not only as a whole, but to each one of us individually who decide to follow us, then you in turn are faithful. So God, we place not only our today, but our tomorrow in your confident, capable, and holy hands. And we leave it there. And in return, we get your peace. And we cling to that. We love you so much, Father. Welcome back. And for those of you just now tuning in, I'm Greg. And I'm Yvonne. Thank you so very much for joining us for worship today. You know, we are able to support some incredible people and great ministries because of your faithful giving. And we can't express our thanks enough for your generosity. We want to share another example with you today of how your giving is making a difference in the lives of others. Check this out. Hi there, my name is Haley Mills and I am from Rochester, Minnesota. I'm currently a nursing student in Searcy, Arkansas, Harding University. And over the past year, I've been engaged and connected in missions with Place of Rescue Orphanage outside of Phnom Penh, Cambodia. At the orphanage, I've been an English teacher. I'm teaching students from ages from first grade all the way to senior year of high school and then also I teach English to the teachers who teach English to the students as well. Um, through this experience I've just so much um, have loved working alongside, alongside the children and Christ's community has impacted me seeing how much they care about missions and how much they engage missions in their um, real mission really and everything that they do. I first experienced Place of Rescue Orphanage when I was in elementary school myself, and my family has been sponsoring a child there ever since then. Um, and Cambodia has always been something that I've known about, um, the work that we've supported there, and being able to um, kind of go a next step and be um, on the field myself has been just an incredible um, journey that God has brought me through. Um, I couldn't thank Christ enough for creating that engagement, those connections. Once again, we want to give a huge thanks for your generosity because you're helping to empower and equip people like Haley to live out our mission of restoring our broken world to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find more stories like Haley's on our social media. If you would like to join us in worship through giving, we would encourage you to take this opportunity and click on the Give link on your screen or in our Facebook post. Mm -hmm. Thanks again in advance for your continued generosity. And if you're new to joining us, we are so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in to our online church experience.
Whether you've been with us for years or this is your first time watching with us online, we're glad to welcome you to our church. We invite you to take a moment to fill out our online connection card. It's a great way for us to get you connected here at CCC. And you can find this by clicking the connect link on your screen or in the Facebook post. Or you can click on our live prayer button and one of our service hosts would be so happy to get you connected that way too. We look forward to connecting with you. Mm -hmm. We are continuing to pray for each of you, and we'd love to join with you today in lifting up any special needs or praises that you have. We can be so confident that God is real and he hears us when we come before him. If you would like prayer at any point during the service, our hosts are available on our streaming service through the live prayer feature. There are also many opportunities to receive prayer anytime during the week. You can check these out in the prayer section of our website. We want to continue to partner with you in prayer any way that we can because it's so powerful, especially during these times. Thanks again for tuning in to Christ Community Church Online. Now here's the message from Daryl. Then you can now glimpse the future with nothing more than a modem, a phone line. I have a dream today. For them, treating coronavirus has an extra layer of stress. As a soldier, though a soldier of peace. to try to help just after those harrowing explosions rocked the finish line of the Boston Marathon. When a man walked to the middle of the avenue of eternal peace. Freedom for all mankind. A fireman carried an American flag to the mast and raised it. Hey, Christ community. Happy weekend. I'm so glad that you're part of our online church this weekend. We're having a beautiful Minnesota summer, and I know the time you're investing in worshiping, worshiping with your church family, um, this is really important time that you're spending, and so I'm, I'm thankful that we get to spend this time together. Uh, we're in this series for the summer that we're calling Defining Moments, and the whole point of this series, we're looking at the lives of different people through the scriptures for moments where they have like their life is going to change, how they respond in this moment is going to make all the difference for them. And so we're continuing that series today. Uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you have a Bible, you grab it and turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8 or open it on your phone. We'll also have verses on the screen for you if you'd like to follow along that way. Um, these events that we're talking about today happened 444 years before Jesus was born. So a long time ago. But we're looking at a group of people and how like, they had a moment and how they responded and how they met that moment is exemplary for us. It is, um, it is encouraging to us. It is informative to us. And so I'm really, I'm really thankful that we get the opportunity to explore uh, this defining moment today. And all of it swirls around how the people of God engage with the Word of God. So what I want to do is I want to read through a section of Nehemiah chapter 8 for us. I'll stop along the way and make some comments and some observations, and then I'll have some principles for us, and we'll finish with the questions that we've been asking uh, since we've gone to online church. So Nehemiah, actually, it's at the end of chapter 7, verse 73. Chapter 7 is a really long chapter. Um, so the verse with chapter 8, verse 1 is all connected there. 
So when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. So the people of God, the adults, the kids, everybody came to this place on the square in, outside this gate in Jerusalem called the Water Gate, and they had assembled for the purpose of hearing from the Word of God. So this is on the first day of the seventh month. And if you're familiar with the Jewish calendar, that really is the beginning. It's the beginning of a new year because it's the agricultural year. And so this is an important day, especially in an agrarian society. This is an important day for them. And it is a day that throughout the history of God's people, the nation of Israel, um, that they had been called to worship. So on this first day, the seventh month, it's a day that's called the Feast of Trumpets. Um, they had gathered together for the purpose of worshiping, and they had asked Ezra, who had been their main spiritual leader for the past 14 years, They'd asked him to bring out the law of God and to read it for them and to read it over them. And so for these group of people, for us, it's probably pretty new in how we experience what in other cultures, a religious festival, but for them, there was nothing out of the ordinary. If we could drop it into our 21st century Christian experience, it'd be an awful lot like a Christmas Eve service or like maybe an Easter morning service where it's it's the thing to do, to come to the place where worship is going to happen. And so God's people had gathered, brought their kids, and, and they were there for religious purposes like, like normal for them. So I'm going to skip over verse 3. I read the first two verses for you there. I'm going to skip over verse 3 because it's a summary statement of what happens in verses 4 through 12. So it becomes a spoiler. So we'll read it in a moment. But here's verse 4. So Ezra, the teacher of the law, who's been asked to read the law of the Lord to the assembly, Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood six guys with really hard to pronounce names. And then on his left were seven guys who had really hard to pronounce names. And Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, and I'm just going to stop right there because this is their defining moment. This is, this is what we're going to talk about today. It's this moment, what happens here is going to make all the difference for the people of God. These people who'd gathered to celebrate this Feast of Trumpets, they had been on a spiritual roller coaster for years and years, a lot of years. They'd been, you know, spiritual highs of obedience and love for God, spiritual lows of disobedience and idolatry and of you know, blessing and receiving what you get when you walk away from God and into the arms of another God. Like they had been on this spiritual roller coaster for all these years, and, and this celebration happens to come for them at the end of what was a pretty major spiritual accomplishment. Um, these people had been in exile in the nation of Babylon. And so over the last couple of decades, they had been filtering back to their nation. They'd been given permission to go back to Israel, and they went back to a land that had been decimated. Uh, their temple hadn't been cared for, the city hadn't been cared for, and particularly the city of Jerusalem, which they loved. It was the place where God had said he would set his name. The city of Jerusalem, the walls around that city had been broken down. 
We don't really have walls around our cities, but in that day, those walls were important. And so for these guys, their walls being broken down, what it really, what it demonstrated to them, reminded them every day, it reminded them, like for one, this city they loved is just this shabby looking place. And so they saw that. And on top of that, it was a constant reminder of their poverty um, and as how their weakness as a nation and it meant that they were vulnerable to people who would want to do them harm. And they had been living in this condition for about 14 years and longer. And God had put it on the heart of a man named Nehemiah to come and be the one who helped repair and restore those walls. And God provided the supplies for that rebuild in a pretty miraculous way. And then Nehemiah was a great leader. He led the people. They were focused and they dialed in. And they rebuilt the walls of their city in 52 days, which was amazing. And so here they are, best I can tell, this is just a few days after they'd completed the wall for their holiday celebration. And so this celebration for them, it could have been all about themselves. You know, they just, they just achieved this major accomplishment. And so they, they could have been, you know, in the group of people who, you know, Ezra's up there and the book of the law is up there, but they're, they're down here and they're kind of, could we hurry up and get church over with so we could get on to the celebration? Because we just built this wall and it's awesome and we want to celebrate this. And so they might have been thinking just about themselves. There could have been some people out there with a totally different perspective on things. Uh, those people could have been sitting there thinking, man, I saw Jerusalem before the exile, before when, when the wall, the first wall was here. I saw, I remember what it all looked like. And this is, I mean, we got it built, but it, this isn't, this isn't what I remember. This isn't what my parents described. This isn't, this isn't what I was hoping for. And so there might have been a group of people who were sitting there and they were just feeling like, man, um, we, my heart's not in this. This isn't a lot to celebrate today. And, and so it could have just been like maybe self-pity going on inside of them. There, there was a lot of distraction around them. And it was a holiday and some were celebrating, some were distracted. Some of them, those of us who have spent a lot of our lives in church know what it's like. Right, we've been to church on just maybe a regular weekend or we participated in a holiday celebration. And because of what was going on either around us or what was going on inside of us, we were just kind of there and we were checking the box and going through the motions. And here, these people that we're reading about today with all this stuff going on around them and going on inside of them, they're another religious ceremony fulfilling their religious duty. And the teacher of the law has opened the book. So I want to take you back to chapter, to, excuse me, to verse five, and let's just kind of read that again. So Ezra opened the book, and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. This was not a formality. This was not the, you know, the stand up, sit down, repeat after me, say the same words week after week kind of religious ritual that many of us participated in when we were kids. Um, the research that I've done, I've only found one other time in the entire Old Testament where the people of God stood up. And that was several hundred years before this instance. This is a, this is a unique, one-of-a-kind moment where where the teacher of the law opened the book of the law and the people of God stood as, as one group of people in response to this 
book that had been opened, and, and they were recognizing in that moment that they were a covenant people, that God had spoken over them and said to them, I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will be your shepherd, and I will be your leader, and I will bless you, and I will honor you, and I will protect you, and in response, you will honor me, and you will worship me alone, and, and I will be, like, you will declare that, that I am your God. And they had entered into this covenant relationship where God had promised himself to them, and they had promised themselves to the Lord. And this book of the law, it's the terms of the covenant. And so what, what maybe started for a lot of people that day as just a normal religious ritual, it, it became a moment of truth for them, a defining moment that when, when, the, when the book of the covenant, the promises that they had made was open, instead of it just being another thing that we're going we're gonna to do before we can get to the real celebration, they, they stood to honor and to affirm and to, to receive what God was saying to them. And when they stand up, it, to me it feels like it's almost this moment where they, like the word of God is being read up here and they're seated down here and it's like they're just standing up to get so it gets to them quicker. And in this defining moment for them, they, they express their radical confidence in and their radical dependence on this God who had declared himself as their God and said that they could be his people. And Ezra, verse 6, Ezra sees this as the teacher and he sees this from the stage. Ezra, he praised the Lord, the great God. And then all the people lifted their hands and they responded, Amen, which means yes, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And if you just kind of read a chapter back, there's probably about 40,000 people here and gathered in this big square and they have stood in unison and they're hearing the word of God being read over them. And in response to that, they bow down with their faces to the ground. And so if you'll let me take you back to verse 3, which is our spoiler verse, just kind of shows what was going on here. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 3, he's, Nehemiah read the book of the law. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. And so it's just this amazing moment that goes from can see all the way till lunchtime where people are absorbing God's word being read over them. And down into verse 7, the Levites, and there are 13 of them, their names are listed there in the scriptures, they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. And then Nehemiah, the governor, the guy who pulled off the, the building of the wall, Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites, those 13 guys in those verses ahead, were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, because all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So as the law was being read and explained to them, the people were weeping as they were listening because they were grieved by how they had failed to live up to their end of the relationship with the Lord. And they were grieved by where they had failed and they were grieved by what they'd missed out on and they were grieved because they had missed the blessings that come with obedience. And I think it's worth noting 
that in hearing of their unfaithfulness and how they fell short, what they did not do. Um, They didn't get mad at Ezra or the other leaders for reading and explaining what God had said. They didn't argue with what was being read over and read to them. They didn't look for a way to reinterpret it so that it was lined up better with the way they thought things should be. Um, They didn't dismiss it as being old-fashioned or out of date. They stood up when the book was opened, and they bowed down in worship to the Lord who had made them to be his people, and they received his words as light shining into the darkness of their lives, and they listened to what he had to say to them as though it were the very words of life. And and it was their defining moment, because in this moment, they, like, they met the moment, and they rose to the occasion because of their view of the Word of God. And as we read a little farther along, verse 10, Nehemiah, these people who were, who were mourning and weeping because of their unfaithfulness, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy cho- choice foods and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Don't grieve. And then all the people, upon hearing this, went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And I love this. Because they honored God's word they received grace and they received real peace and they received blessing and they were unified together and there was harmony and there was wholeness and there was well-being and all of that was tied to this one thing of being willing to live under God's word. So what I'd like to do is share a couple of verses from the New Testament. This was the old covenant, the old covenant relationship where these people experienced God's word, and you and I as believers in Jesus live under a new covenant. That's the New Testament of the scriptures. And I want to share a couple of verses from this new covenant that you and I live under that talk to us about the value of God's word in our lives. So the first is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. It's God's word that breathes life into us, that that whole idea of being born again. Jesus introduced it in the Gospel of John chapter 3. And it's through the word of God that you and I, like that's that seed is planted in us and it results in new life. And then 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. For God's people, for those of us who have said yes to God's offer of forgiveness and abundant eternal life through faith in Jesus as our Savior, for those of us who've said yes to God's offer to be our God, to be our shepherd, uh, to be our Heavenly Father, who've just, who by faith just said, yes, I want to enter into that relationship with you, For God's people, God's word is of the highest value, and we hold it in the highest esteem. And I was just thinking about that idea of us as God's people and how we how we view his word. And I was thinking, you know, there's 
I just wrote down three reasons real quickly of why his word is of such value to us or why it should be. And here's the first one. It's just very simply, it's the word of God. It's the word of God. Just think about that for a second. There is a God and he has spoken. And, and if there really is a God and if he really did speak, it would be smart of us as human beings who are not God to know what he has to say. And, and he has spoken to us and he has revealed himself to us and he has, he has laid out for us a path in which we should walk. And because these are the words that come from the creator, Lord God, they should be held in high esteem just by virtue of the, the nature and the character of the one who spoke them. Second thing is that God's word breathes life into those who receive it. And we read that in 1 Peter chapter 2. That when we, when God breathes his word out, that's all scripture is inspired by God or God breathed. God breathes his word out. And when we breathe that word into our lives, the result for us is, is abundant, eternal life. And so this word of God gives life and there's nowhere else to get that kind of life. I'm reminded where Jesus with his, with his disciples, and he was teaching some stuff that was incredibly difficult for people to comprehend. And because it was such a hard saying, there were a group of people who had been listening to Jesus who just walked away. And Jesus looked at his closest followers and said, hey, you guys, are you guys going to? And their answer was just a definitive, where else would we go? Jesus, only you have the words that lead to life. And so we hold, we hold God's word in highest esteem because, because as God, what he has breathed out, we breathe in and it leads to abundant eternal life. And then the third thing is that God's word readies us for the good works that God has for us to do. And I really appreciate those words in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that, that it is only God's word that gets me or gets you ready for the good works that God has laid out for us to do. Some of us have our own idea of what our good works, what our paths should be, and we maybe can get ourselves ready for some of that. But if you want to walk in the way that God has laid out for you, it's God's word that will make you ready for that. So a few years ago, I was listening to a friend of mine named Will Davis speak about the, um, about the value of God's word and about our posture towards it as Christian people. And um, I've just kind of stolen this image from him because it makes so much sense to me. We live in a world today, there's really, there's really three ways to posture yourself in relationship to God's Word. Um, you could live under it, and that is evidenced by the group of people that we were looking at today. It, it was on a platform above them, and they rose to meet it, but they, and they bowed to the ground in worship under its words, like they, they were living under it. Um, we live in a world today that likes to live alongside God's Word, um, where it is one of our sources of information. Maybe it's one of the places that we consult um, for how we're going to conduct our lives. But we, because we live beside of it, it, um, it maybe speaks into us a little bit, but it's not, there's no authority there. There's, it's, just, it's just there. And then there are those who would like to live on top of God's Word. And regardless of what this book says or what God says, um, their preference would be that they're the decision maker for their life and they're going to go on down the road um, and do things the way that they want them to do, regardless of what this book says. And I would just say to you that um, as a church, 
we're very committed to living underneath the Scriptures. As a person, I'm very committed to living underneath the Scriptures. And I know that's true for so many of us who call Christ's community home. We're very committed to living underneath the Scriptures. And on one hand, that may sound like a position that you don't really want to be in, but it is this posture of being underneath the Scriptures that is, it is the place of greatest protection. And part of, part of the covenant, the relationship that we've entered into with God, the direction that He's given to us, it's for our, it's, it's for our good. And so we live under His protection, and it is that posture that leads to his great blessing on our lives. So with joy, with joy, the parts we don't understand, the parts that are, are difficult, the parts that cut across the grain of our culture, with joy we live under the word of God because it is for our protection and for our blessing and for our good. So I want to pray for you, and then um, after I pray, let me give you the questions for reflection and for discussion uh, for this week. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for declaring yourself to be our God, being our shepherd, um, and, and above and beyond all that, that you've said that you're our Heavenly Father. We say yes to that relationship. Thank you, for, thank you for protecting us. Thank you for fathering us. Some of us have had great examples of that, and some of us had poor examples of that in our individual lives. But you're our Father, and we look to you. Thank you for speaking your words, like giving your word to us for speaking it into our lives, for speaking it over us. Um, it, is, it is our joy, it is our protection, it is our blessing uh, to live under your words. I pray, I pray for myself, I pray for my friends, that, that when, when your word is open to us, that there just be something in us that rises up to meet that and bows down in submission to it um, because you are God over us, and that's a good thing. And so we love you and we honor you. We worship you. We're incredibly grateful today for what you have given to us, particularly in Jesus. And so we pray these things in his name. Amen. All right, so let me offer you a few things just to, to think about or to discuss with whoever you're watching this video with. The first question is, and we're having a beautiful summer, so just what's your favorite thing about summer so far? There's been a lot of wacky in this summer too, but let's not lose sight of the good things that are going on. So what's your favorite thing about summer so far? And this second question is just kind of about your religious background. Has your, how has your religious experience been? Is it more, you know, sit down, stand up, say this kind of ritual stuff, or has it been more profound in, you know, all the people stood up to meet the Word of God being read over them? Uh, the third question is, I gave you three reasons there a minute for holding the Word of God in highest esteem. So which of those reasons resonate most with you? And then the fourth question is, are you, just as you think about your own life, um, are you more inclined to stand under, to stand beside, or to stand over God's Word? And, and why? Uh, is that your inclination? So I hope you have a profitable conversation or time of reflection. May God bless you guys. I love you. We'll see you next week. Church family, thanks so much for joining us today. If there are any needs in our church or in our community that you're aware of, please reach out to us because we want to help. And you can do this by contacting the church office or by going to the service opportunity tool located on our website. We will certainly work with you to figure out how CCC can help. 
Thank you for choosing Christ Community Church online for your church experience today. See you.